You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. I feel like now more than ever, it's time to share our stories, share our message, speak our truth to contribute to the change we want to see in the world. There's a lot that's shifting underneath us and around us now. It's great. There's some good things happening and we need more people sharing solutions and ideas. That was Cynthia Morris from Original Impulse, and she's on the podcast for a second time to discuss her new book, The Busy Woman's Guide to Writing a World-Changing Book. We discuss how writing a book is empowering, why busy women have different challenges with writing books that are often overlooked, and the top three challenges people face when it's time to start writing their book, plus much, much more. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Cynthia, this is our second episode. I'm super pumped to have you back to talk about your book, to talk about writing, and to talk about the process that you're going through. So thanks so much for joining me again on the Productive Flourishing Podcast. Well, it's a total honor and a delight. I'm happy to be here. I, I always love talking to you. Any conversation I've ever had with you, I've walked away better for it. So thanks, Charlie. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, so we are here to talk about many things, creativity, writing, process, grit, um, but the sort of container that we're talking about is your forthcoming book, The Busy Woman's Guide to Writing a World-Changing Book. And, you know, we were kind of talking about this in the green room, and I'm just going to jump right in with the original part. No, I'm not going to do that yet. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. <laughs> Why did you write the book? Why did I write the book? I have been coaching writers for 20 years. I started coaching in 1999. And... Um, I started writing books in 2003, and I came to a point with coaching people writing books where I kept seeing the big ahas and the major transformations and them getting traction. And when they would light up around something or say, I've never heard anyone say that before, or well, that totally changed the way I wrote and everything that came after, I, I just have a hunger for more people to have that experience. So... Um, I also just, I'm kind of on track to write a book a year or every other year. And I was like, this is, this is the next one that will encapsulate everything I know about writing a book. I wrote that for me, but I'm also writing it for others. What do I want for the world? And the world changing is in the title. So I feel like now more than ever, it's time to share our stories, share our message, speak our truth to contribute to the change we want to see in the world. There's a lot that's shifting underneath us and around us now. It's great. There's some good things happening and we need more people sharing solutions and ideas. That's fantastic. And I agree. It's so wonderful. Like people ask why sometimes ask why I coach and why I do that. I was like to see the change in people, to see people have that aha moment where um, that it actually reminds me of our conversation about your book, chasing Sylvia beach. Right. When I was like, you could just do it this way. And you're like, I could totally do it that way. And then not saying that then the book happened, but it was just one of those moments, you know, that happened in processes, which is just fantastic. Um, so people know, you mentioned that you have several books. Um, what's your book count at this point? Eight. Eight books. 
Alrighty. Um, so you know a thing or two about writing books. I do so, not just not just from my own experience. It's not like here's the way it has to be, and let me tell you what to do. But more from having all the conversations with hundreds of writers over the years and seeing them try things out. Um, so over time, you see patterns, as you know, and you can start to say like, here's here's what's going to happen if you try this. Here's what might happen if you try this. What I like about sharing that is it normalizes the the terrain because a lot of times people will get into writing a book or like stand on the sidelines of writing a book and and feel all the fears and insecurities and challenges and think that they're just inept or in uh, not capable and I always say that's you're going through what everybody goes through so this is the terrain this is the job here's let's find some solutions that work for you to navigate those challenges yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to riff on that because I think a lot of freshman authors are like, well, this is just what first-time authors deal with. And just when I get this first book done, then I'll, I'll be an author. And then the next time, it won't be as hard. But it's like that next time you're comparing your next book to your first book, the success, the head trash, everything else that you get with the first book, you apply in the second book. And then in the third book, and if you're really doing the work that you, if you're really doing your best work and you're really writing to your to your book, the world-changing book, you're going to be dealing with that thrashing and that head trash and that stuff all over again. Like, this is part of the process. Right. The the insecurity, the doubt, the the confusion. What what really messes us up, you said something there that is seems benign, but it's actually can really mess us up, is the comparing. Well, last time it was like this, and it should be like that this time, or comparing to any time in the past where it was idyllic or felt great. Um we can never replicate that. What what I seek to help people do is is to craft a writing practice that's consistent and sustainable for them over time. So they can write anything. They're still going to go through the challenges, but they know how to sit down, garner their focus, and get to work. They know all of the conditions that support their writing more easily. Great. We've danced around the title a little bit. We've danced around the world-changing part. So let's go to the first part. Also, Slink loves to, sorry, Cynthia loves to dance. Uh, you just revealed uh, my nickname publicly. I know, right? <laughs> we have to edit that out. That's okay. <laughs> um, but um, let's talk about the first part, um, which could seem polarizing, which is the busy woman's guide to writing a world-changing book. Is there anything specifically important about this coming from that frame of the busy woman's guide? Yeah, for sure. There are lots of things. Um, one when you're in a business like mine, we're always told or that the best way to go is to really identify who are we who are we working for? Who are we working with? Who are we doing this for? So you create that ideal customer, that ideal reader, and then you write toward them. So because you know there are challenges, you know there are problems, you know how to create solutions that will help them. So just in terms of a business marketing standpoint, that's one of the main reasons. Um, I work with women. I've always worked with women. I have male clients as well and male students. That's great. The ratio is way more women. So that's who I know. And I know their problems and challenges. And when I've coached people to write books and they are trying to write to more than one reader or a, a vague audience or a big audience or multiple types of people, it's a wreck. It's a train wreck. And it's it's really hard to write a book that's clear and direct and useful. So 
I know that I know working with women and working with women authors, and I know the the women I work with are busy. They're running their household. They're maybe running a business. They're a C-suite. Um, they children. They've got like five or six jobs that <laughs> they're doing at the same time. So. I wrote the book for busy women. I wrote it. It's short. It's sweet. There's not a lot of case studies or examples. It's very direct. It's almost as if you were picking this up and having me as your coach right there. And I didn't write clever chapter titles. So like, well, what does that mean? I don't want to lure them in by curiosity. I want them to be able to look and see, okay, here's what to do when I get this. Here's what to do when this. And and then also um, in terms of my own agenda, well, okay, one more thing. Just coaching somebody yesterday, she said, what do you think about Stephen King's book uh, on writing? And I said, well, I have some thoughts, but I want to know what you think. And she, we ended up talking about the fact that she's like, well, he writes kind of all day or he starts from nine and goes to 12 and blah, blah, blah. And, but he doesn't really run his household and he, his wife is kind of takes care of stuff. And I said, bing, 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 bing. That's why this book is for women because... So much of the books we get and the advice we get are written by men or are written not for women. And they don't take into account that women's lives are way more fluid, have to be way more flexible than a lot of men's lives. For instance, the, the mom is the person on the call list, number one, for school. So she's settled in for her writing session and then she's got to go. The dad might not have some of those same considerations. So... That's women have different needs and we need to be more in flow and we need to be able to catch our writing times when we can. And then for my own agenda, I seek to help women claim their power that every person has inherently and has been robbed from them. Women and people of color, people who have been marginalized. This book is for for anybody who feels like they need a, a boost or support to claim their power. I would love to see more voices, uh, a more a variety of voices and not just the male perspective running things. Absolutely. And the thing about writing a book, um, well, I'll let you tell the story more, more than me telling the story. What's the link between writing a book and reclaiming power? It's almost immediate because um, especially if you've had this book idea circling in your head for a long time, there's this like someday kind of energy. Someday I'll write that book. Someday I'll do that. When you lasso that and pull it down and commit to that, that's power. That's saying I matter. My idea matters and this book matters and I want something different for the world and I'm going to share that. I love to think about, I love books and I think about a book as a passion shared. So the minute you start writing, you stoke your passion for your subject. You stoke the confidence that you feel like you get almost instant confidence from going from the sidelines to being on the field. And then as you start writing, you start, you know, hacking your way through the content, you get more and more clarity. You just like, oh, this is how I want to say it. Oh, yeah. And I think all of that, you start to feel integrity. You you own the integrity from finally doing what you said you want to do. So all of that, the confidence, the clarity, the integrity, um, feeling like your passion is getting its due, that's that's power. That's joy. That is just the best. 
Yeah, that conceptual mastery that you get from writing a book is so hard to articulate, but it's that, you know what I'm talking about here, Cynthia, where like you had this sort of idea or the scene or whatever it might be, and it's sort of half formed and it sits there forever time for a long time. But then when you finally like fully form that in the best way that you can, and it's out of your head, um, you know, I was talking to Corey Huff last night because uh, we were having dinner and I was like, you know, the, the bad thing about being a writer is that these words are just always fighting their way out of you and you can't really do anything about it. Like, it's just really, are you going to make it, are you going to sit and fight with her? But that's just the thing. They're always, always there trying to get out of you, whether or not you want them to or not. Right. Yes. And, and the minute you start writing, they, they start coming more easily and flowing yeah, more. Yeah. But if you don't write, you get, you know, creative constipation because they're fighting to get out of you and they're like, nothing else is coming in until we go out. Right. Um, and it just gets super challenging. So I think there's just that mastery, which I know is, you know, I realize as I say it, that it's a very sort of masculine word when it comes to that sort of way. But there's that also that piece where it's like you're reclaiming your power of being able to get that internal sovereignty that if you're not writing and those ideas are just fighting with each other and fighting their way out of you sort of lose that that grip on. I won't say I won't go as far as to say your sanity, but that groundedness that you feel when you're producing those words and getting them on screen and getting them out of you. I I completely agree. It it just feels good. It just feels good. And I like to say that the works we make work us. We are made by what we make. And if you finish things, you will not be the same person than when you started. And I do think you have to finish things. And as you know, in your whole book about finishing, how important that is for being able to trust yourself and like, oh, my ideas matter. I'm willing to do what it takes to get it across the finish line. Every single book I have written has gifted me back with something that makes me um, a different person, a better person, a stronger person, a more complete person. Yeah. And the unwelcome gift of books is sometimes they come with a host of challenges. Well, they always come with a host of challenges. Um, now we're not going to go into the complaining, making everything super hard, but it is useful for folks to know some of the key challenges to, um, really be thinking about it as they start thinking about writing the book. So if we had to limit it to just sort of the top three that you would tell anyone, um, what would they be? Um, regarding writing a book specifically, one, it's, it's hard to write a book because it's, it's a big thing. It's a big work and there are lots of ideas and how they come together is something you have to wrestle with. So um, one of the first things that I see people do is they want to stay in the outlining and planning mode for a long time. And they want to have it all like 1000% locked and loaded before they go to write there. But what happens is um it's such a wonderful place. The planning and, and the 30,000 foot view is so great because nothing, everything's possible and nothing is actually challenging you. So mm -hmm. people lingo, linger there and then um, they get stuck there. And then they, they, what I help them do is realize that they have to just dive in and write their way forward. They have to go forward even if they don't know everything. And what, what happens, every single book I've ever seen come to light it, the book is not exactly how they thought it would be. The book itself has its own life. It's very weird. But once you start relating with the material, 
the material will inform the shape and what needs to be in there. And people, it's just crazy. To, it sounds so completely loosey-goosey, but fact, every single person I've ever talked to has gone through that. So that's the first thing is like wanting to stay in the planning and the outlining. Um, and then the discomfort of the chaos of pulling your ideas together. You've got all these ideas and how do they fit and where do they go and what goes first. Um, being willing and able to sustain the discomfort of that while you sort your way out and to not go south and think, I'm not that great. My ideas are not that great. I don't know what I'm talking about. To not get into a cesspool of doubt about your topic. Um, so in that in that space, it's like step back, like shift gears, like play with, you know, working on it in a different way. Um, there was one more big challenge. Well, there's a lot. Um Well, I guess, you know, just in terms of setting yourself up to write, a lot of times we will not make space for it. So there's time, there's space, and there's focus, and they're all required. But the space thing is something that people kind of don't um, really think about. So when you when you have that feeling of ending a school year or, you know, when the holidays end, uh, end and you move into the new year, you know, like... Oh, all that space opened up. Like, like, just think of getting rid of all of the holiday decorations, and it's a space shift. So, it might very well be that you have to remove something from your schedule or your life in order to make space for this. And it's not like you've got to go on sabbatical or go on an island, but it's almost like, oh, well, let's pretend I'm going to graduate school, and how do I need to set myself up for writing this book? So that's those are some of the some of the challenges I help people with. Yeah, I'm going to tag on to that third one um, because there's an o- a lot of overlap into what we talk about. Because my language is making it a project, making it a for real, for real project, and understanding that it's going to displace other projects that you do. Like you can't take an already busy life and then stack a book on it and expect that something doesn't fall apart. Normally, the book right um, ends up in the shelf or other other things, um, and Space, I think, has that physical metaphor to it, where like physical space, but I think it's the emotional and conceptual space. All of it that, that people don't often understand that like it you're whole, you're creating this new world inside of you, and it doesn't exist and it doesn't hang together. The physics of that world don't bind it in a way that our world is bound together. What's holding that world together is your thoughts, your memories, the energy that you're putting into it. And that takes a lot of emotional and cognitive bandwidth to do that. And if you don't make the right amount of physical, emotional, and sort of mental space for that, the world can't hang together and is always going to fall apart and be busting at the seams. And so I think it's that piece where people are like, I've got this 45 minutes of my schedule and I could just sit down and write. And I'm like, that's piece of it. But if you don't have that emotional and conceptual space, it can be really, really challenging to keep that world growing and held together. Yeah, and you, you know, we want to be immersed in our project, in our book. It, like you said, we're creating a world, and it does take over in a way that when you go on a walk and you're thinking about it. But I think you're right with a project frame. I love that, too, because then it's a thing, it's an entity, and then you can bring in the concept of project management, which, you know, is required for planning it out and making space for it. I don't want it to sound like... Um, 
oh, you've got to go and just shut down all the things that you're doing in your life and loving them and kind of lock yourself in a dark room or a bright room and get this out. I, I think it's, I'm looking for the love of the material, the love of the process, the really savoring all of the things that the book is giving you um, because it, it, writing a book, making anything is difficult. So look for the things that make it um, help you bring, bring you alive. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of one way to think about that is thinking about positive boundaries that you create for the book. Right. Because yeah. on the one hand, um, I know some people can do it. I would. I don't think I would ever be able to. Like, I can't write around children running afoot. <laughs> it doesn't work for me, right? Um, I know some people can. I'm glad they can, but I can't, <laughs> right? Um, so there is a certain space. There is a certain boundary and setting I need to create for myself so that I can hear the space between paragraphs and the space between sentences, which I know sounds really strange, but every writer knows what I mean. Like if you are in a place where you can't hear that, the first thing that I will do is jump to email or jump to something else or jump to something else. that's super easy as opposed to sticking with it and going back in. Right. Um, at the same time, that process can be joyful. So that's, I think the tension that most creative folks have, we're talking about writers in this case, right? On the one hand, you love your work, Right. And you love the joy and everything. On the other hand, it's difficult and it can be hard. And you can also hate the process at the same time that you love it. And that tension is completely normal and human, you know? Well, so that's why I say what we make makes us. So mm -hmm. when you come up against these challenges, who will you be? How will you respond? Do you default to the way you've been your entire life? Or are you interested in having a new response and having a new way of seeing yourself. It took me 12 years and 17 drafts to write my novel. Um, I am not the same person I was when I started. I realized I have way more tenacity than I ever would have thought. All of the things I went through, all of the rejections. Um, so if I had given up some of those early days or those really bad early drafts, like when a reader said, this is a slog, you know, I, I would not be able to have that empowerment of the tenacity that I didn't know I had. I, that book made me a tenacious person. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So when the challenges arise, you have the opportunity to, I, you know, in, as I've gone to the point of publishing the book, there's so many just mechanical and technical details that, that you have to wrestle with. And it's just been one pain after another. And so what, I'm noticing is I don't get as um, I expect them. And so I don't get as waylaid. I don't get emotionally sucked in. I might have, you know, the first five minutes of, arg, 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 you know, and then, okay. So I've noticed that my, my response time, like I, my response is different and I might turn around to be able to just kind of do the arg and then deal with it much shorter than it used to be. So I, I'm calling that a win. I'm like, wow, I'm becoming more patient. I'm becoming more resilient. I'm more of a problem solver than I ever thought. I love the whole way that like, there'll be a problem or something and then I'll go away. I'll you know have an evening. I'll wake up the next morning and I'll have an idea for the problem to be solved. So also learning that I don't have to control every dang thing in every dang moment that 
there's, you know, some space back to space, some space in the process can help. I'm so glad you spoke to that because, you know, one of the things we mentioned in the green room is like writing a book is challenging, but there's so many things around writing a book, like getting the book staged at Amazon or getting, you know, remembering like, oh yeah, I have to figure out what I'm going to write for the copy for the back of the book. That's all, that's its own thing. Right. Or, oh, I got to. I, I got to do all these other pieces where I'm, it's like, I thought, I, I thought it was just about writing the book and it's not just about writing the book. It's all these other things. And sort of the practice that I've been going through as I've been thinking about this is like, you know, like when there's like that errant sock that didn't make the laundry basket, I don't have a big story about it. I sort of pick up the sock and put it in the laundry basket, right? <sighs> and in so many ways, like the fallout parts of the book, I'm like, oh, it's a sock we forgot. We'll just put it in the laundry basket and move on with it, right? It's like, as opposed to like, why is the sock here? And why is what what's wrong with us that we can't get the sock? And it's like, it's just a sock, man. Like, get it on and move on with it and have a good day afterwards because you're always going to have an errant sock, it turns out. Or at least maybe it's just me and errant socks. But um, and I think that's so wonderful the way that you sort of talked about that. It's just like stuff is going to happen. And it's just how you learn to adapt a response. And I think taking it one layer level or one level higher is like, what's the opportunity that this errant sock has brought up that now I get to be like, oh, I can add this to part of the joy, part of the fun, part of the momentum, as opposed to like, here it goes again, another errant sock. Yeah. Well, in my coaching, a lot of what I do is is a lot about who you are and how you're being, because that's how we live, you know? Like, okay, so are you of the growth mindset orientation where something happens and you look for the opportunity? Maybe not right in the moment, you know, maybe the next day, like, oh, I see how I... I was really, I took it out on my spouse when that happened. Oh, I don't really want to be like that. So how do I make a change? Or are you of a fixed mindset where stuff blows up and you just are like, I'm a victim. This is just too hard. I, you know, you kind of are stuck in an old perspective. I, I think sometimes maybe this is true or not. I don't know that we don't take on our projects because it does reveal us. And it's like, oh, I didn't really want to deal with my my stuff. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, so, yeah, I wrote that, I think, in chapter one of, of the forthcoming book. But I'd say projects are both mirrors and bridges. They're mirrors because they reflect back what's going on in the world. And it's like you can't make space for a project. You can't make space for you know, the things, or you know that you're, that project is going to require a set of courage, you know, a kind of courage that you currently don't have. Right. It reveals that to you if you're paying attention um, at yeah. the same time that they're bridges that they create a world in yourself that you want to be. So they're both at the same time. And I think there's plenty of reasons, uh, plenty of times people choose not to do a project just because it's reflecting back to them that like my set of priorities and boundaries and discipline and things like that are not where they need to be. Or I think they're not where they need to be. And so I'm not going to do it. I love the way you say that the the mirror and bridge that's that's really great. Um, yeah, I think every project also has it does not have to live. And so making the choice about what to work on and when and why it matters. I think the thing about writing and art making that's just such a butt kicker is that um, it in order for you to be able to make something, to write a book, to get it, to go all through the whole, to go the distance, 
you have to really care about the subject. It's like glued to your soul. It, it's deep. You know, you need that deep motivation and fire to do it. Well, that's wonderful. But on the flip side of that, the more you care, the more you care, the more scary it is, the more important it is, the, the more risk you're taking. So it's that weird thing. You need both. You need you need that motivation, but it, it also could kind of turn on you because it becomes too important. Yeah. I, I think at a meta level, we're talking, one of the things we're talking about is the natural tension that creatives have to live in. Like on the one hand, you need the motivation. And on the other hand, if you're over-motivated, like the motivation can kick you in the butt, right? And you're just finding and sitting in that that both and, right? Yeah. It's not just like, oh, you know, you got to care a whole lot about it, but not care so much. Yeah. That, But it's like, no, you have to care so much that it's worth doing and prioritizing and getting right. up late or staying up at late or yeah. deciding not to do other things. And you have to care. You have to understand that it might not work. Yeah. And you spent two, three 11, 12 years of your life working on something that yes. may not work in the world in a certain way, but, you right. know. That's why, to me, like, seeking the benefits for your own self right away throughout the whole process, because you can claim that and own that. You have no idea what will happen with the book. Um, yeah. One of the things we've been talking about it as well, though, is the pressure that we writers put on ourselves for the fast, for the fast draft, the fast done, the fast... Oh, I'm going no. to hit my timeline. I'm going to, you know, it's just 30,000 words or it's just 50,000 or however many words I can get that done in six weeks. Or I read this one guy wrote a book over the weekend, all of the stuff around fast. Right. And um, I know you have quite a bit to say about fast when it comes to writing books, but um, learning to just, uh, I'll let you say more about it. Well, I, you know, in all of the, so say I've been doing this for 20 years, I've been writing for 25 years, so I've seen some things. And one thing I've seen consistently for everybody is that writing itself is a slow medium. It is not fast. It's like a lot of thinking, a lot of walking, a lot of hacking things out and, and really just carving your way to what you want to say. Um, maybe there are faster ways to do that. Maybe I just don't know them, but I think there's, everybody has been so frustrated by how long things take. And I'm like, well, you kind of just started to sit down and focus your attention and your thoughts around crafting words on a page. So give yourself an apprenticeship, give yourself some time. I, when I first started writing, I gave myself five years to write without having to worry about it being any good or going anywhere. And that completely set me up for being able to try a lot of things without the pressure to publish. Right now, we can just publish something instantly. I wrote a poem yesterday morning, and then it was up later that day. So that's fast. But the actual writing is not always fast. And it, it may be if you're quick, that's great. I've, you know, done a lot of different studies around if you batch your time, if you if you write and then revise and batch and do it, like, does that save time? No, it still takes time. Um, so don't be, I think all of the hype around come write a book in a weekend and do things quickly is kind of setting you up for uh, disappointment because if somebody makes that promise that that's possible or should be or probable, when you encounter 
the real labor, that it may take a little longer, you're just going to feel like you're, you're a failure. That's not, that's not right. Yeah. And another thing to add in here is that a lot of the time you need to allocate for writing is not actually time in which you'll be writing. Yeah. You'll be thinking, you'll be outlining, you'll be doodling, you'll be reading something, you'll be walking around the block 16 times because just there's something that you haven't figured out. They'll be talking to other people. Um, they'll be, you know, holding time with the, you know, holding time with the barista as they, you know, sort of talk to you about things or all those sort of things. And so for my process, I realized when I was writing this book, like maybe all of my button seat time was like 20% of the total time wow. spent on the book, right? The rest was that. And the, this book was um, 10, 12 years in the making. So I had that long of thinking about it before sitting down to write it. But just, you know, it's more time than that. And I think people are like, I'm going to schedule my writing time and I'm going to sit down and write. And then in that one hour, it's going to be sufficient or however long it yeah. might be. And I'm like, no, there's all this other stuff around writing that you got to do. I like to think about it as like getting into relationship with your book. And that is, as you said, it's happening all throughout your day. And there's the time when you're directly face to face with it and the time when you're thinking about it and like, oh, I can't wait to get to it. Or, oh, you're driving me crazy. How do I stay in relationship even though I'm really frustrated? Um the thing I was thinking, trying to think of earlier came back to me, and I, I want to share it because it was so helpful for me. All of the, the thought bubbles around what you're doing and your thoughts and thinking about it are just thoughts. It's just air. It's not even – it's not – real. And so I, I, one day I was writing, I was like, wow, this book is great. This is going to be, this is a world changing book. This is going to be, everyone's going to love it. It's going to be so great. I just like felt this. Yes. And then I was like, yeah. And then the next day I went to write and I was writing. I was like, oh man, I don't know. This doesn't, it was, you know? And so then I like kind of like saw the two voices and I was like, well, neither of them are true. So I don't really have to listen to any of that conversation about the process. All I have to do is just keep showing up and do the best I can. And the book will do its job when it's done and out in the world. And I won't have to worry about whether it's great or not. I'm showing up to do what I can. So that helped me a lot. And I hope that is of service to, to your listeners. Yeah, I had a very similar process in the sense where I would write and you know, the editor would walk in while the drafter was doing his thing. And I was like, no, my, my job in this writing session is to get words on the page. Right. I just, just get it out. It's not to evaluate how good it is. Like I do that later. Um, and then when I was like, oh, this is total crap. Well, what the hell am I doing with my life? There's so many other things I could be doing right now than this particular thing right now. I just, it's nice outside. I don't feel like freaking writing. All those things that happen, right? Um, and I was like, you know what? Just finish this session, put it together, and you're going to send it to Haven, who was my acquisitions editor and developmental editor. And it's like, it's her job to figure it out. <laughs> like yeah. if it's, she will tell me if it's not good. She's told me everything else has been great thus far. So all the evidence I have in the world is that this process is generating great words. Yeah. So I just need to trust that and keep doing the process. And then at the yeah. end of it, if it does not generate great, great words, then I can figure out how to do that. Right. Revise. Yeah. Revise. And you know, it's, um, it's humbling. 
you know, you're a smart guy. You make things happen. And I love that you share your challenges because it's inherent in the process. Like, what? why would anyone know how to write a book who hasn't written a book? There's no way you learn how to write a book except by doing it. And even if you've got the best, you know, guides or workshops or coaches or whatever, you still have to walk through that process yourself and learn. And so I like things like that that are humbling. It's it's a it's a great state to be in of like I am confident I have something to say and I don't know how to say it. And I'm gonna just forge my way forward. Yeah. You learn how to speak by speaking, right? You learn how to write by writing. And I think that's the grace of it. Um I also think that is the thing that removes a lot of excuses because if it becomes like you learn how to write by writing and you're not, you're like, well, I'm not a writer. Well, are you making the space to write? And if you're not, then that's step one, right? Um, and so it removes that sort of excuse that sometimes we can fall into that I'm not good enough or right. that's not who I am or other people have it figured out. What, what we're saying when we say that, like objectively in the world, if you think somebody has figured it out and it's true that they figured it out, they only figured it out because they sat down and figured it out. Right. <laughs> right. Um, right. And in their current project, they are currently figuring something out that they don't know how to do. Right. Um, it's, that's just a trick is figuring out how to figure things out. Well, and the thing about writing, it's weird because it is a cognitive process. So a lot of a lot of times people will think that they have to have it all figured out and then they sit down and write it. But the writing actually pulls you along and and everything happens in the actual writing. Um, so there's a lot of the thinking that that's part of it too, but it's not it's not like, okay, I'm gonna figure out what I want and then get it down. So yeah, um, you gotta kind of just plow, plunge in. Yeah, it might be useful to talk about the difference between explanatory and exploratory writing here, right? Because explanatory writing, and sort of the way I think about it, is like when you already know the stuff and you just need to sit down and get it out, right? Um, so here are five ways to do such and such. You've done it a million times. You just in shorter pieces, you just it's figuring out how to explain what you already know, right? It's not that it's easy per se, but it's a different type of writing than exploratory writing, where you don't know what you think, you you haven't figured it out, you don't know where it's taking you. And the reason I say that is because depending upon where you are with a project, and it doesn't matter whether it's fiction or nonfiction, because a lot of times nonfiction fiction writers will tell me I haven't written fiction, but there's like the story is already written, and I just have to figure out how to explain how to tell that story, and that's how they see it. Other people are like, I have no idea where this is going, <laughs> right? And I'm exploring it where it's going. So even whether it's fiction or nonfiction, that that those categories apply. Um, but I think people fall into a scenario to where they may have thought they may not have had the language of explanatory writing, but it's like, oh, I was just explaining myself. But then they find this new area where they actually didn't know how to how what they thought and how to explain it. So then they slide into exploratory writing. It's like, why did those 2000 words take me two months to write? Yeah. Right. Well, you didn't know what you thought. Right. You, yeah. you had to spend that time figuring it out. And then like, but I wrote 20,000 in a month before. It's like that was just stuff that you were you were explaining, you had it in memory banks and you were just going through it. So yeah, I think sliding into that exploratory and explanatory space and how fluid that can be can really trip people up because you don't know at any, at the beginning of any writing session, which of those voids you're going to walk through. Um, right. And it could be part of both because like when I was starting to work on writing the promotional material for the book, I was like, well, 
why women? Why did I write this for women? And why world changing? And I have those, you know, kind of half, I wouldn't say half baked, but they're half formed ideas in my head. But through writing it down, that's when they, they solidified and like, okay, now this is why, and this is why it's important to me. So, um, I, I just think writing is such a, a power tool. It's such a gateway skill. Like it, it can give you so much, so much self-awareness, so much clarity. And if writing a book is something that you want to do, I think you should try it. There are resources there. I think a lot of the things that are in the way, are mostly just us um, and are needing to pull up some courage to be able to, to, to start. Great. Before we exit, you're the guest for the show, so you get to leave us with a um, invitation or a challenge. But I do want to say, if you're if you're a writer and you've read somewhere something along the lines of like, we don't need new writers, we don't like it's that category is filled. Please just stop reading and stop paying attention to that. It is not true. Um, and I'm saying this because I had someone who was triggered in a coaching session because she read. She was doing something. She's like, you know, basically what I'm hearing is that like the space is full. There's a bunch of people already doing that work and we don't need another. And I was like, stop paying attention right now. <laughs> right. Um, go do your voice, your way, your thing. And those people are just they got something going on, because if you're really about doing world changing work, you know, there's always room for more people. Yeah. So. Oh, I love that. That there's always room for more people. Yeah. And you're going to say it in your way. And again, back to it's changing your world. So it, when I say world changing, it's not like it's got to go and be some giant revolution. It may be. That'd be great. The first world that's going to change is your own. So if only your world changes, the world around you, will, that will ripple out. So it's a smaller change, but it doesn't mean that it's not as valuable. So um, you're going to get something from writing your book. You have to do it. Every every voice is needed. Absolutely. So, Cynthia, as I said, you are the guest for today's episode. So you get to leave us with an invitation or challenge. So based upon what we've talked about, what would you challenge or invite, depending upon which resonates with you, our listeners to do? Well, if you are listening and you want to write a book and it's been circling around looking for a landing, I invite you to do a free write. Take uh, 10 minutes or 15 minutes, set a timer and write without stopping and use this prompt. I must write this book because and let whatever needs to come out, come out. So 10 or 15 minutes, set the timer. I must write this book because and that will reveal to you what's important about writing the book and reveal some motivation that might not have been there before. Or you might be like, you know what? This is an expired dream. I don't need to write this book. And if that's what happens, yes, that's awesome. Because then you can step into more integrity and take it off your to-do list. Cynthia, it's always great to talk to you. Um, just always get so much out of it. So thanks so much for um, writing the book, Changing Your World but also writing a book that will help us change the world around us as well. Thanks so much for having me, Charlie. I love our conversations. All right, listeners. So you heard it from Cynthia. Take 15 minutes. I'm just going to say 15 minutes. So you don't have to decide between 10 and 15 minutes. Take 15 minutes and write with the prompt. I must finish this book because. And let whatever comes up, come out. Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, 
head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.